I sure am thankful today that no matter what, I'm in good hands because I'm in God's hands. What a tremendous song that's been a blessing to me so many times, and oh, how I enjoy the fact to be reminded that I am in God's hands. I want to encourage you, if uh, you could take time to let us know where you're watching the program from, and uh, if uh, you could just let us know the town, the state that you're watching. Uh, I believe that many, many folks are going to hear messages and hear the gospel uh, that have not heard, and many not uh, being in church will hear messages today because of what God is doing in our nation and in our world. I would invite you now to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 17. Ephesians 4 and verse number 17. The Bible says this, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversations the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Notice, if you will, verse number 18, the Bible says, the last phrase, because of the blindness of their heart. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word this morning. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, as I always hunger for, and as I always pray for, your sweet Holy Spirit presence and power, I hunger today the same. And Lord, my pausing to pray is not because I'm required to. It is not because it's just a habit, but it is a hunger, Lord, that I have the presence of the Holy Spirit to help me to preach your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As most in our nation, especially Christians and certainly preachers, I have been searching for answers to what's going on in our world with all of the fears and the sickness and the pandemic that has taken place in our world. I've cried many tears. I've sought the face of God. And without a doubt, as I was thinking and praying about all that's going on, the Holy Spirit put the words in my mind from his word, blindness of their heart. I pondered that. I didn't have the Bible with me when that came to my mind. Blindness of the heart. I couldn't even think where those words were from. I couldn't think of the passage of Scripture. I knew Paul had stated that to one of the churches, but I, I didn't know exactly where it was that he wrote the words blindness of heart. And I thought about that. It didn't say blindness of eyes. In fact, I, I questioned in my mind if I was thinking of the right words 
a little while later when I got to my Bible and I began to search blindness in the Bible, I found this blindness of heart in the Old Testament, and then I found it in the book of Genesis, and then I found it again in the book of Ephesians. It sounds like a mistake, blindness of heart, but it's not. I was searching for answers of what to do in the midst of this current crisis. It's been a hundred years since we faced such a crisis in our nation and in our world. And I wasn't aware of what all happened in 1918 and 19 until uh, one of the young men that grew up in our church, Brother Brad Broadus, who's a pastor of Bible Baptist Church down in Radcliffe, Kentucky, did a good amount of research. And I would encourage you, if you have not seen Brother Broadus's uh, video that he did about 1918 and 19 and the Spanish flu, I would encourage you to watch it. Many folks have watched it and said, uh, he said World War II, but it's World War I, and we're aware of that because of the years. Uh, but uh, it is a tremendous video, and it encouraged me so much because what happened in 1918 and 19, the Spanish flu uh, began to take the lives of many thousands and even millions of people. 14,000 people died in Kentucky, 675,000 people died in the United States in that two-year span, and 50 million people died in the world just because of the Spanish flu at a time that I believe the population was about half or a third of what it is now at about 2.3 or 2.4 billion in 1918 and 19. But how he encouraged me was I was conflicted between do we have church or do we not have church? What do we do? I want folks to be safe. I want folks to be healthy. And yet at the same time, I want to be faithful. I always want to be in church. But what he did was he found that churches and pastors and preachers, uh, preachers such as Billy Sunday, recognized the importance of, uh, of not assembling uh, so that they could stop this spread of the flu. And, and it did work, not just here but around the world, as it uh, worked its way through and folks began to respond to do what they could do. But, but the spiritual implication was a blessing to me as there was a, a great stirring of a revival uh, from uh, and a spiritual awakening from what had happened in those days with the Spanish flu. But I, like others, was trying to figure out what was going on. I had ideas, I had theories, I had speculation, just like we do on every hand. And, and uh, my speculations were from what little I knew and what information I could gather and, and, and just, just ideas and speculation. In fact, I thought of this illustration when I was a boy and someone was, uh, was building a shed or a barn and my grandparents or just anybody or something at the church and there would be all these scraps of wood laying around. And I thought, well, I'll build something out of those scraps of wood. And uh, I would get those scraps out of heaven in my mind. Maybe I'll build a boat. Maybe I'll build a house. Or maybe I'll just go ahead and build a castle while I'm at it. And so I would, I'd pick up the nails and get me a hammer. And, and I'd start nailing boards together. I'm talking about just scraps. And at the end of the day, I had a mess. I had... Uh, uh, my fingers were cut and I'd stuck myself with sharp tools. I didn't build anything. I just made a mess out of those leftovers. And that's about what my speculations were like, what my ideas were like as I tried to imagine what's going on with this pandemic in our world. 
as I sincerely prayed for God to show me what I needed to learn and how I could fulfill my responsibilities as a leader to my family and our church and its ministries, the Holy Spirit directed my thoughts to the phrase here in Ephesians 4.18 in the words, blindness of heart. What does that even mean, blindness of heart? Only eyes can see and only eyes could be blind. But as I studied this verse and looked at it and studied it in its context, I I found that a blind heart is a heart that cannot receive. Even if eyes can see, the heart can't receive if it's blinded. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. A blind heart cannot understand. A blind heart cannot receive regardless if eyes can see or can't see. And then I looked at the context of this passage of Scripture. If you just read the verses we read, you'll think, boy, this is a, this is a criticism or this is a, an exposure of those that are unsaved and how their minds work. But the context tells us he's speaking to Christians and what he's saying here, quit using the mind of man. Quit using the ideas of men. We're born again. We didn't learn this of Christ. And boy, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And I realized that's exactly what I was doing as a spiritual, a Christian, a preacher, I was trying to figure out everything and say, well, I think this is going to happen, and I think this is going to happen, and I think that's why this happened. And so often we revert back to behaving as we did before we were converted. He says in this passage of Scripture, you didn't learn this of Christ. If so be that you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, We don't think like the world so often. We become like a Fox News reporter. We gather the facts and we start giving the facts. I'm not here today to tell you what I have observed in the world. I'm here to tell you today what the Bible says and that's what you and I need to understand. And he's saying to us here, don't think like the world. Don't act like you have a blind heart. Don't act like you have a blind head like you were before you were saved. There is a spiritual dimension that you need to understand and you'll get that if only you'll come to God in prayer and read His Word. So often we revert back to behaving as we did before we were converted, before our eyes were opened, before the Holy Spirit of God moved inside us. We revert to fears of the flesh. We revert to thinking with our own minds and our own flesh rather than the Spirit of God within us. And so often I think with a carnal mind one that's saved but not behaving is saved. A carnal mind is a saved mind thinking like a natural man or an unconverted man. I don't want to see life as a carnal man. I don't want to see life as an unsaved man. I want God to reveal to me in His Word what He wants me to see and what He wants me to understand. So often our mind becomes blind to the truth and blind to faith and blind to the love of God. We're blinded by our own selfishness. We're blinded by our own desires and sometimes we even mistreat others around us because of our carnal mind and thinking so blindly. 
May I say this morning, God is working in our nation today. God is working in our world. It's not my job to speculate on all that's going on. It's not my job to join those that are blind of heart, but to see what God would have us to do in His will and in His time. The question, what is God doing, is a question for our minds to seek in the pages of His Word and on our knees in prayer. Let me give you an illustration that I thought of during this time. I love my father, as you know, if you've heard me preach for any length of time. My father's been in heaven some 35 years now, but, but, but my father was my hero. I loved to hear him preach on Sunday morning. I shined his shoes on Saturday night. I loved him. I loved to be with him. In times of difficulty, in times of concern, in times of fear, I wanted to be with my dad, but I didn't talk. I just wanted to be in his presence. His presence brought a comfort. If he said anything, I paid attention to what he said because it was a time of fear. And after some time of turmoil in my heart and my mind, joining the unsaved world and thinking with a carnal mind and frustrated that I couldn't figure it out, I quit praying in a way to tell God what he ought to do and give God my thoughts and my opinions. But I wanted, as I did when I was a boy, just come to the presence of the Father and just be in His presence quietly and let Him speak to me through His Word. Today I want to challenge us in the message to say it's not our job to take all the facts, to take all the observations and put them together and come to a conclusion that most likely will be no more a boat than those scraps of wood I was using to build a boat or those scraps of wood I was using to build a house or a castle. It all was just a pile of wood and scraps when I finished, just like it was in the beginning. I don't want to do that with my mind and my life and the will of God. And so Paul says to Christians, this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Those who are outside of Christ simply cannot think straight on moral and spiritual issues. They may articulate the issues, but they leave out the spiritual dimensions because they're blind to that. They can't see what God is doing. As I've watched the news, and you have in the last days, not one time have I heard anybody on any news station, radio or television say, perhaps God wants our attention. Perhaps God is causing a spiritual awakening in our nation. Not one time. It's facts and figure, and it's medicine and science, and I'm not being critical of that, but I'm saying, child of God, you and I are not limited to what we would think or what we would observe through science and medicine. God has given given us his mind through his word and he helps us to see that there is a spiritual dimension this is not just a pandemic this is not just a war on an unseen enemy it's more than that 
God is working to make a difference. But wait a minute, not just in our world or in a nation far from us or, or, or in a county or, or across town. God is working to get your attention and my attention. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to know? I won't find the answer to that question watching the news, though I'll watch the news to see what the facts and the figures are. But to know what God wants me to do, I open the Word of God, I get on my knees and I find out this is what God wants in me. This is what God wants in my heart. That spiritual awakening that can take place because I have the mind of Christ. I want to give you a statement. Make sure you get a hold of this. Hey, hey, pay attention to me now. I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear this statement. Man was created to be inhabited by God. Paul wrote and said, What know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? You and I were made to be inhabited by the Holy Spirit of God. If a man is not born again, or if he's not indwelt by the Spirit of God, He's blind to spiritual things. Maybe his eyes can see, but his heart is blind to spiritual things. God intended for the human spirit to be inhabited by the Holy Spirit. The indwelling Holy Spirit came in to enlighten my intellect, to go beyond medicine and to go beyond science and to see that there is a God in heaven that's working in our lives. It is the spiritual things I want to see. I won't find those on the news or in books. I'll find those in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit came to enlighten the intellect, to effectively use our emotions. Fear is a good thing, but fear can also be a thing that brings death. It can cause us to run from a, a, a challenge. It can cause us to run from meeting a need, but a fear that's properly used of the Holy Spirit will drive us to our knees. As the psalmist said, what time I'm afraid I'll trust in thee. His fear was not a fear like David's brothers who ran from Goliath. His fear was a fear that drove him to his faith in God. He then faced Goliath the giant and took his life and won the victory for God and God's nation. You know why? Because he had a mind that could think spiritually. The indwelling Holy Spirit was to enlighten our intellect to effectively use our emotions and energize our will for his will. We need that Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us today, not just for survival, but revival. The average man today is thinking, I'm just trying to survive this. I'm not trying just to survive it. I want a revival in my heart. It's not survival that I want. It's revival that I hunger for. And if you're not careful, you and I will be disobedient to the Scripture and we'll use a carnal mind, which is a saved mind, but thinks like an unnatural mind. We'll let our mind be controlled by the facts and the numbers and the medicine and the science of the world. That's all good, but there's a higher level of learning. There's a higher level of understanding. And that understanding comes through the Holy Spirit working in us, helping us to understand the Word of God. No wonder Christians are told by the Apostle Paul here, don't walk as the Gentiles walk. They're living for survival. You and I are searching for revival. We must never copy the beliefs, the thought patterns, the conviction codes of conduct of the unsaved. 
even though most brilliant of those, the most brilliant of men are blind leaders of the blind when it comes to spiritual matters. I remind you that Einstein never wanted to believe in God. Marx was an atheist. Darwin rejected the faith of his youth. Sigmund Freud hated Christianity. And nearly every well-known philosopher left God out of their thinking, their reasoning, and their reckoning. And the reason is, is because God and his word went against their flesh. Stay with me now. The word of God went against their flesh and it's not until a man is born again and yields himself to the will of God that he understands God and he realizes, folks, this is not just a physical pandemic. This is God working in our nation. We who have been saved and born again, we should no longer live like we once lived in blindness. We're new creatures in Christ. When you outline this passage of Scripture, you'll find in verse number 17, the unconverted, they have a problem in their head. In verse number 18, they have, the unconverted have a problem with their heart. You'll find that the unconverted have a problem with their hands in verse number 19. And he tells us, don't be like that. You, you, you have a, an ability to understand spiritually. You have an ability to understand God's in control. Paul was in prison. Paul, are you afraid? There may be fear, but I trust in God. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Paul said, rejoice evermore in Philippians chapter 4. He said, rejoice evermore. How can you do that? Because there was a spiritual level that was beyond the thinking ability of a Darwin or a Karl Marx or a Sigmund Freud. While they may have figured out and put on paper the ability for man's mind to think, they could never comprehend. They could never see the light. They were walking around in darkness. God's people don't live like that. You and I walk in the light as he is in the light. Notice these statements. Verse number 17, he says this, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye, Christians, henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Paul said the lost walk in the vanity of their minds. The word vanity means futility. It means emptiness. It means wasted on nothing. Think of these words. The unconverted mind invents ways to serve the flesh or the selfish desires of the mind. And every contraption and every invention that they make, it rusts, it rots, it's outdated. The things that were luxury in the early 1900s are seen just as basic needs of man today. The things that are luxuries today will see, be seen as a waste of time if God tarries his coming for another 20 years. You see, the lost mind, it invents false gods, false religions, foolish philosophy that are designed to showcase man's brilliance. So many folks go to church and they hear a man preach and they say, boy, he's a brilliant man. My job is not to report on facts and figures that would be impressive to the, man, uh, to the mind of man. My job is to get in touch with the Holy Ghost of God and preach the Word of God and to help you to see on a level that's far greater than what the scientist or the medical profession can present to us in the world. Solomon said in Proverbs, There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You think of 
George Washington, they thought his blood's poison. We need to take all of his blood out and maybe he'll live. But then they overlooked the fact the Bible said life is in the blood. And when medicine clashes with the scripture, the scripture's always right. There's a way that seemeth right unto man. Wait a minute, the message is Christian, don't follow the mind of the world. Follow the mind of Christ and the Word of God. Romans 1.28, the lost possess a mind that's reprobate, a mind that is depraved, but with the Spirit of God within and the Word of God available to us, we can have the mind of Christ to determine the will of God and walk with Him daily. We can say with confidence, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Today we're not overwhelmed with fear. Why? Because we know all things work together for good. I'm not talking about the good of the world when it comes to the economy and luxuries and all those things. I'm talking about the good of God and God's will. Oh, Christian, let's not think like the world. This morning I was singing the song that I love. Longing for Jesus. I have a longing in my heart for Him. Just to be near Him to feel His presence. I have a longing in my heart for Him. Go above the things of the world. See things through God's eyes. I'm telling you this morning what revival is. I'm telling you what spiritual awakening is. You see, man becomes dead and dry when he lowers his spiritual mind into carnality and he lets that carnal mind think like an unsaved or a natural man's mind. When we do that, we're cold and dry. We present the Bible in just facts and figures. Oh, but there's a better level than that. And that's the level of spirituality. A spiritual awakening says, how does God see it? That's how I want to see it. When you go to verse number 18, you find not only there's a problem with their heads in verse 17, verse 18, there's a problem with their hearts. Some things their heart cannot see. Paul says their understanding is darkened. They are alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. They can see with their eyes, but their minds cannot receive the truth. Witness to a man this week, and as I began to go through, he Christ, it takes an understanding with the Spirit of God. There has to be what we refer to as a conviction of a man's sins and a faith in Christ. It's not a matter of accepting a sales pitch. It's not a matter of just buying something. It's a matter of receiving Christ. They cannot, without the Spirit of God, receive Christ in their hearts. In this state, their understanding is darkened. That means that the heart of the unconverted is living in a continuing state of spiritual darkness and ignorance toward the things of God. I ask you this morning, are we more impressed with science, medicine, history, facts, figures, or someone that is able to quote all of those things? He said, don't think like that. Don't have a heart like that. You're born again. You didn't learn that of Christ. Learn to renew your spirit. That spiritual awakening. Since they're dead, they're unresponsive to the things of God. A lost man hears me preach today and he says, that preacher's crazy, I don't understand. You that is wonderful. That is great. They're like a cloud 
I'm sorry, they're like a cold, immobile corpse which can neither see, hear, feel, or think. Purpose today is not to say their condition. It's to say, hey, you and I quit acting like that. We're not, we're not a cold, dead corpse that can't hear or see or feel or think. We're alive in Christ. There's a spiritual dimension. God's working to get our attention. Some are praying for the virus to be lifted, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to fuss at that. I understand that prayer. My prayer is, Lord, your will be done. And I was afraid. I wanted just to be in the presence of my father. I didn't tell him what I thought about this or that. I didn't know what to think. I just wanted to be there. His presence gave me comfort. And sometimes he would speak and he would say, Now, son, and he would explain to me. I think God's people need to be quiet a few minutes. Get alone with God. Open the Bible and say, Lord, show me what you want me to know. We're saved. We're not supposed to think like the world thinks. Verse 17, they have a problem with their heads. They have a problem with their hearts. In verse 18, verse 19, they have a problem with their hands. Look at verse number 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Doesn't matter what we do, we just want gain from it. Because they're lost, because they're dead, they're said to be past feeling. That phrase means that they have lost their sense of pain. They continue on and on in sin. They continue on and on in spiritual darkness, not feeling the pain. Oh, but when you're born again, you realize... I don't want to do that. That hurts the heart of God. I don't want to do that. That grieves the Holy Spirit. I don't want to bring grieving to the Holy Spirit. I don't want hands that are beyond pain. I want hands that are sensitive, a heart that can see, a mind that can think on spiritual terms. The passage is not just to expose how an unsaved person is. The passage is to say to you and I as Christians, don't be carnally minded. A carnal mind is a mind that's saved. But it's using that saved mind to think like an unsaved man. How many times as a boy in a hurry to go outside and I put on shoes that were for Sunday. My mom would say, son, don't, don't put those shoes on. Those are Sunday shoes. Don't, don't, don't go out there. I had hogs that are raised and chickens I fed and Get in a hurry and you can't find your work boots, can't find something, you know. You Look, we've got a mind that's a mind of Christ. Don't put on a mind of the world. These things and I'm finished. Pray for the will of God to be accomplished in our nation and our world. Look at the science, look at the medicine, but look at one higher level. Look at the spiritual need. What does our nation need? We live in a day that folks go to church unless there's a ball game. I know folks that miss church on Sunday because University of Kentucky would be playing basketball in the NCAA tournament. You're not going to do that this year. You see, you're using a carnal mind. It was saved, but you weren't using it right. You're using it as an unsaved person. Pray today for God's will to be done in our nation. Pray for God's will to be done in our life. 
pray for God's will to be done. Lord, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to know? What do you want me to do for you? I think of what the Bible says in Luke chapter 4. Jesus was talking about the famine in the Old Testament. He said many widows died in that day, but one famine, Elijah, uh, one widow, Elijah, went to that widow and her life was saved while others died. I prayed, Lord, lead me to the people that need to be saved. Lead me to the people that need to be touched. Then I want to say number three, be a testimony of a spirit-filled person. We quote the news. How much Bible do we quote? We repeat what we hear others say when it comes to science and medicine. What about the spiritual? As I've talked to men of God through the week, and many have talked about 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Some have talked about 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and chapter 6, and those are the preparations for chapter 7. We want to quickly get to chapter 7 because we want God to heal our land. Solomon made great preparation for the Holy Spirit for God to come in and fill the temple. Be a testimony of being Spirit-filled. Number four, learn on your knees from His Word. God, what do you want me to know during this time? What do you want to teach me? What is it that you want me to understand? If you're watching me today and you've never received Christ as Savior, you ought to trust Him as Savior today. Say, preacher... What do I need to do to know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die? First of all, you must realize that all men have sinned. The Bible says, Wherefore as by one man sin entered to the world, and death by sin, so death is passed on all men, for all have sinned. We're all sinners in the sight of God. You may classify some as worse than others, and in our classifications that's true. In the sight of God, all men are sinners. Second of all, men are already condemned to death. Christ didn't come to the world to condemn the world because the world was condemned already. The wages of sin is death. If you're not saved, you're living on death row. You're just waiting for the day that life would end. Because you have that debt of sin. But third of all, you have to realize Christ came to pay for that sin for us. That's why Christ died on the cross. He had no sin of His own. He had, he had not, not one time, though they tried to trick Him, uh, the, the lawyers, the doctors, everybody, they tried to find just one fault in Him. They couldn't find a single mistake, a single fault in Christ. He was a perfect Lamb of God that died on the cross to pay for your sins and mine. Last of all, you must receive Christ's payment by faith. By faith, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you may have eternal life. You need to trust Christ as Savior. When I was a boy, I simply prayed, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I accept you as my personal Savior. By the way, if you've been saved and not baptized, you need to be baptized. If you'll contact me through Facebook or our church by calling or email, we'll set up a time this week that you can come and our staff, just a few of us, will come and you can follow the Lord in believer's baptism. You don't have to wait a month or two months or three. If, if, if you've been saved or you just trusted Christ as Savior, you want to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Our baptistry is ready and you, you can come and we'll baptize you uh, whatever time. We'll make the schedule to do that. 
Are you a Christian and you're backslidden? That means you have a carnal mind that's saved. It has the potential to be a spiritual mind, but it's thinking over here like the natural man, the unsaved man. The challenge today is not be, not to behave as though we're blind of heart. This illustration, and I'm finished. You ever in a game put on a blindfold? Sometimes we'll put on a blindfold in various games and we'll laugh and make fun. We'll try to find somebody because we can't find them because we can't see. We're blindfolded. Many Christians today, they're not blind, but they're blindfolded. They're blindfolded by the world. Blindfolded by our own selfishness. Blindfolded by our own pride, our own wants, our own desires. Paul's saying here, don't wear that blindfold. The world can't help it. That's how they are. They're blind in their mind and heart. Take that blindfold off. Get a hold of God in prayer and say, Lord, what do you want me to know during these trying times? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I would ask you if you're in a family that your family get together and pray now. Maybe just husband and wife or maybe just you are alone. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do in these difficult times? You brought this to our world for a reason. Everybody in the world has their attention on this pandemic. Everyone. That word coronavirus is on every tongue. Think about it. What does God want? What does God want me to do? Oh, how we need to yield to the will of God. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, revive us. Revival is when we stop thinking blindfolded as a carnal man. We start behaving with our eyes open to Scripture and the truth and the Holy Spirit of God working in and through us. I pray that you'd bless the message to the hearts of the saved. I pray that you'd bring the lost to salvation. If you're watching me now and you've never trusted Christ, would you now bow your head and simply say, Dear Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I accept you now as my personal Savior. I accept your payment on the cross of Calvary. My faith is in your death on Calvary and your resurrection from the grave. Nothing that I can do, but I trust in you to save me. If you'll call on Him, He'll save you right now. If you called on Him, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to rejoice with you. If you're watching by way of Facebook, you ought to just put a note on there. I just received Christ as my Savior. We want to rejoice with you wherever you may be watching in our world today. If you're a Christian and you've rededicated your life to Christ, you ought to just go ahead and put your decision for the whole world to see. I rededicated my life today. I've decided to take off the blindfold. And I've decided to think with the mind of Christ. I don't want to have a carnal mind. But I've rededicated, I've surrendered my life to Christ. I want to see beyond the medical. I want to see beyond the scientific. I want to see beyond the economic impact. I want to see the spiritual impact. Share with us your decision today. We'll be back again tonight at 6 o'clock. I'd love for you to hear the message tonight. Please tune in at 6 o'clock and encourage others to do the same. May the Lord bless you. Enjoy a good lunch, a good meal with your family today. 
Rejoice in the goodness of God. Remember, our joy is dependent on our relationship with God. Happiness is dependent on happenings. While you may not have happiness all the time, our joy can be constant. And we can always rejoice in the Lord because our relationship is always secure in Him. Have a great day.